What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, it's, it's been absolute. <laughs> Y'all are firing me up. Make me want to play right now, baby. <laughs> I love the booze, man. I love the cheers, baby. Keep them coming, Niners gang. Keep them coming. All right, boys, Super Bowl week. Your boy is in Vegas. Woo! This right here, fellas, not going to lie to you. You've been here since Sunday. This is uh, when we record it. It's Thursday night. This is Daiquiri number 11. I'm keeping a trainer. <laughs> like today? Or is your personal you trainer going to feel good about this, Ron? Is he going to hear this and, and a, be like, and Ron, I have, a, we and got... I have a, I've apologized to Red repeatedly, my trainer. <laughs> And he just keeps saying, see you when you get back. And I, this is, we're keeping a running account on the, and listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something real quick. Let me tell you something. <laughs> there is a daiquiri set up right at the elevator to go up to my room. And four out of the, three out of the four nights I've been here so far, I just get one <laughs> on the way up to finish the night. I've got big cups. I've got little ones. I've got tall, the long ones. I've got them all. I've had 11, <laughs> 11 of the count, 11 uh, of, of these bad boys. And uh, this ain't going to be the last. No, no. <laughs> what is your What is your limit, Serta, on days in Vegas? I feel like four is like my limit. That's where I reach my, all right, it's, it's about time here. I think I need to get out of here at, sooner rather than later. It's I did five a couple of years ago because our our flight got canceled and then it was like an overnight in Detroit or stay in Vegas another night. So we just stayed in Vegas another night in three days is max. <laughs> like I was ready to go home after day two and I was like, I'm tired. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm tired of losing money and just drinking all day like I'm over it. I've heard the setup's pretty good out there, though, Ron. I've heard that it actually like the one in South Florida. You guys didn't go, right? You weren't there that time around for the Chiefs? No, Niners. I was fired uh, walking into that. Um, um, some yeah, people, no. somebody else stole my, my trip from Miami. Um, I, to, to be I've fair, forgiven I, him. I paid for my trip when I thought it was going to be paid for, if we're just going to go ahead and air some dirty laundry. Um, but I, I didn't love the setup down there. There was some that was in South Beach, some that was in Miami, and like the Chiefs facility was... 45 minutes north of everything else that was taking place. It sounds like the setup in Vegas yeah. is like actually one that they probably will come back to though. Everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to come back to this. Everything is, is pretty much right around where, uh, where you need to be like, so the first night, the first day radio rose at Mandalay Bay. And then the, they have opening night where they had all the players and stuff on the field. And that's right at the stadium and the stadium is right across the street. And so everything is just near the strip, on the strip. And, uh, like, if you want to be daring, you can walk some of it. But but a lot of it is cool, man. And, and, and you know, unlike other places, I've, I've heard people talk about how rough, uh, sometimes just logistics-wise, how Houston was. Because Houston is so spread out. Yeah. The, the stadium is not, um, is not downtown. But there's stuff at the Galleria. And there's stuff at downtown. There are all these other places. So this has been good. This has been yeah. this has been good. Last time I was in Vegas, I threw up in the bathroom of an Avengers exhibit. <laughs> sort of. I'm gonna tell you this right now. There has never been anything you have ever said that's been more on brand. Than <laughs> I've been so hammered drunk that I threw up. Where a Denny's? Nope. Nope. At an Avengers exhibit in the bathroom, <laughs> and I bet you wiped you wiped yourself off, cleaned yourself up, and went back and continued to enjoy yeah. that exhibit. 
I had to finish it. It was kind of pricey. It wasn't really worth the money, but I, I, fin I finished the entire thing. Look, man, I've been down here. The vibes are interesting. The Raiders fans are coming out to boo and hate the Chiefs. The the Niners fans are are down there too, which is weird because I feel like the Raiders fans are in a quandary of who do you hate more? Yeah. Uh, the Niners or the Chiefs. It's clearly been the Chiefs who they hate more. And look, I I think when I look at this game, this is there is so much because everything you hear is all the the 49ers, they they they're looking for some revenge and that they they're just trying to come back and and get Kyle Shanahan to win the big one and and all this talent to really make this run because they've been to four NFC championship games and they're trying to pull this off. There is a lot of legacy involved in what is happening for the Chiefs. A lot of legacy situation with the Chiefs. Because to me, this game has two major, major things, fellas. And I'll start with the first one. To me, if Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs win this game, and we all know Patrick Mahomes is going to get the lion's share of the credit, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. Maybe he doesn't deserve as much as he has, has had in the first two Super Bowls, but he's going to get the lion's share of it. And I think now, like you can't – you you're just lying to yourself and your country at this point if you step back and say, no, nah, man, there's no debate with Brady. I think – I think – at this point, if he gets to three, three and six years as a starter, four Super Bowls, six straight uh, uh, AFC West titles and six straight AFC championship games with three Super Bowls at 28, in which all three of them, he has been the driving force, one or 1A or flat out not the driving force on the team in a way that Brady wasn't at the beginning and really maybe even at the end. Um, there's a conversation big time now between those two because we've learned from Michael Jordan that you don't have to have the most rings to be considered the best. And I think there is a real conversation piece now. If he can drag, and you said it, you said it before this playoff run started, BK, if he gets this team and wins a Super Bowl with this team, this will be his greatest accomplishment. Like this would be like, you know, LeBron finishing the job with that first Cleveland team when they got swept by the Spurs, this would be his greatest accomplishment. And I think, I think the full on conversation of goat will be absolutely real. And even people who do, who didn't want to have the conversation will start to have it. I don't know if they'll be willing to have it just yet, but I think what it'll open up is kind of the conversation that we have in baseball with Albert pools, right? Where, Nobody considers Albert Pujols to be the greatest player of all time. And baseball is different because it's like the rings culture doesn't quite exist the same way in baseball as it does in basketball and football, specifically at the quarterback position. But everybody, like to a man, if you ask who had the best first decade of their major league career, there's no nobody that would even doubt it. It is Albert Pujols. He, his first 10 years is probably the best 10-year stretch of any player at any point in their career in the history of the game. And that's what we're witnessing right now with Patrick Mahomes. What we've seen from him in his first six years, whether you want to go with accomplishments, and if he wins this Super Bowl, he will have that. If you want to go with just the eye test, right? Set aside every number you want to go into. Just watch the games. He passes that with flying colors. You want to go with MVPs. You want to go with any possible measurement of the greatest that we've seen. This is the greatest six-year stretch that I have personally ever seen from a quarterback. And that will be capped off if he's able to finish this one off with this specific team, doing it in a way, Ron, and I think this is an important part of it, that he hasn't done it previously. This would be the first time where he's been, don't mess it up, make the right play every single time version of Patrick Mahomes. Previously, he had to be like the sun, the world, and everything in between, and he was able to do that. And now for to go where what he was in 2018 to where he is today, it's almost two completely separate, different players. And to be able to have that kind of a range, it's like talking about acting. Sir, I know you're really into like the movies and TV shows and whatnot. It's like having I am guy, too. <laughs> it's like having a guy that could be like the greatest comedian in the world. And oh, by the way, if you want to put him in some like dramatic theater he can also do that it's it's unbelievable the range that he's shown i think this is the most impressive season from him individually because he's had to carry all these guys as you as you mentioned but i i think it's also like 
we've talked about it a ton over the last couple of years. Like this team kind of sleepwalks through the regular season. And I, I think this season, even at times they did that where it just wasn't working right. And it seemed like they weren't really interested in what they were doing, but we definitively have proof now that the regular season is practice for them for the postseason. Like, Everything that they worked on all season long this year to try to figure out that took an entire regular season has been on display in the postseason and it's been executed to perfection by Patrick Mahomes. It's it's unreal. Like the, the fact that he can do anything that you absolutely need him to do and he can do it dictated by what he has at his disposal and execute it to the level that he executes it at is unreal. Like he's just... It's not just that, like, you know, we're we're having all these conversations about GOAT and legacy and all of that stuff. But, like, I think definitively we can say at this point, like, Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Like, I don't think anybody has ever played it at the level that he's playing it at who can do anything you absolutely need him to do as a quarterback. Like, there was lots of guys who could who could play their style and execute their style at elite levels, and there was nothing you could do about it. He can do anything he has to based on what he has available to him. And I don't know how you stop a guy like that. No, no, it's it, yeah. His ability to uh, kind of do whatever it takes to win um, and whatever style it takes to win. And there's no surprise that it may take a different style than we've seen in the playoffs for him to win the Super Bowl and that you could see him doing it. Like no one would be surprised if we saw, it's hard to say turn the clock on a guy who's 28, but it's it, like no one would be surprised that surprised if they turn it around and they they have an explosive game like they've had before and he puts up bigger points and it's like, oh, damn, last week he scored 17. All right, now this week he had to score 28 or 30 and he did it. Like nobody will be surprised by that. He's just adding a different club in his bag. And he's adding it really, really early. <laughs> and he's added it into a space where it's not like he has to have he has to add it to survive like Peyton Manning did. He's adding it and still knowing he can still pull out the driver whenever he wants to. And he still has that that guy who threw 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards the first time. It, it is nuts right now. You're seeing his brain and his knowledge of the game now meet him at his high powers in his prime, which is insane. The crazy part to me, though, is that I'm not even sure if for this specific game, he's the one with the most on the line when it comes to legacy. And what I mean by that is like, I think even if he loses, he's still going to be in these same conversations that we're talking about right now. That that all That is all still out there available to him. I think the defensive side of the ball is really where the legacy comes yep. into play here. That's in this my other run. one, too. That's my other one, too. Like, this defense, I feel still today as if they're not getting the credit that they deserve. Ron, I saw somebody posted this tweet out there this week. Did you know that there's only three teams that have allowed fewer points per game, at least based on what the Chiefs have done so far, than what the Chiefs have done this postseason? It was the 2000 Ravens, the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the 2013 Seahawks. So the 2000 Ravens is the defense that I think is the best I've ever seen. The 02 Buccaneers single-handedly won them that game in the Super Bowl against Rich Gannon and the Raiders. And then the 2013 Seahawks, that was the defense that defined the mid-2010s. And then after that, it's the Chiefs. This version of the Chiefs defense for how few points they've allowed thus far Absolutely. in the postseason. If they do it again... If they do it against the Dolphins and then the Bills and then the Ravens, the top two MVP candidates, and then do it again against this 49ers team with one of the best groups of weapons that we've ever seen assembled on one offense with that coach, I, at some point we're going to have to be given this defense its credit. I think they will then be remembered similar to what the 2015 Broncos defense was for what they were able to accomplish that postseason. So they are the one to me that has the most on the line going into this game. Damn it, BK, I hope you're right. And I don't, I just, I don't, I have been astonished by the fact that the Chiefs are on TV as much as they are. And we have watched this. And I thought you made a great point uh, a, a week or however long ago it was, where it was, 
Yeah, they've been on TV, but the whole focus has been on what's wrong with the Chiefs' offense and not looking at it. Damn, man, they they squeaked this game out seventeen to ten or seventeen to fourteen or damn, they lost twenty one to seven or twenty one to or twenty one seventeen or they lost seventeen to seven or damn, they lost to the Raiders and didn't give up a complete pass completion for the last three quarters. Like it hasn't been that; it's always been the other stuff. And I am astonished that it hasn't been a conversation of how historic this defense possibly is. And I'll do it again. They have not had a 300-yard passer given up in in this day and age. And they have played almost all of the good quarterbacks multiple times. They played Tua and, and Josh twice. Right, like, and they've not given up three hundred yard passer. As I said, there with the Raiders, Devonte Adams is on their team, and they did not complete a pass for the final three quarters of the game. They're holding almost everybody from tw- to twenty or below, and they're even and they're taking it up a notch in the playoffs. So I, I hope that you're right because this defense, to me, if they if they put it down on the Monstars and Brock Purdy and company with Kyle Shanahan, like they should be remembered like those defenses you're talking about. And at the very least, the Denver defense. But I just have a hard time believing, Serta, that they will get remembered that way because of the cloud that that Patrick Mahomes and now Travis Kelsey kind of holds over everybody. And it's not their fault, Kelsey and Mahomes, but after the game, like I'm, I'm serious. They they beat Baltimore 17 to to what 10. Didn't give up any points in the second half, which they've just been doing at a huge rate here in the last two months of the season. Didn't give up any points. They were the clear reason why this team won and what what Baltimore had done all season. And still, it was Mahomes and Kelsey. Not to say it wasn't deserved, but still, it was Mahomes and Kelsey that was the work. Like I. I hope they would do that. I hope they would get their just due. I'm not 100% sure because I do. I, like I said, I think this is one of the best defenses in the last decade, and it's the best Chiefs defense I've ever watched. And I went back and watched the 1997 game against the Denver Broncos for some reason last night. Got back late. A little, <laughs> a little, and so I, I decided to watch. Well, hell, let me watch John Elway and Terrell Davis and Ed McCaffrey. That's what it was. I interviewed Ed McCaffrey the day before, so I didn't watch that whole, <laughs> that whole game for some reason. Like, that was a great defense. Man, this defense is better than that. So I hope you're right, and I hope they get their just due. I feel like they got to shut them out or something. Honest to God, for people it's, to say, it's insane to me. This defense has been incredible. It's, uh, I think they have to like multiple turnovers, like totally just disrupt Purdy and like shake him and, and then let up like 14 points or something. Like it, it's got to be like that kind of performance because they've done this in the playoffs. They've done it all year long and they still don't get any attention for some reason. It, it's, it's unbelievable. And it is because of Mahomes and Kelsey and the attention that, that side of the ball gets because. Literally any other Super Bowl team that had a defense this good that got this far in the postseason, like all we'd be talking about all week long is that side of the ball and how they match up with the superstar players that the 49ers have. But then with the Chiefs, it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Travis Kelsey and it's Taylor Swift. Like everybody kind of forgets about that. But BK, you brought up those teams, but like it was Peyton at the end where Peyton is going back and forth with Brock Osweiler, who should be the starter, and he was really throwing with the pace level of Chad Pennington. Huh. And then you have Russell, and it's before Russell was Russell. Like before Russell, you could just pencil in 10 wins for, for Seattle, no matter who was on the team. It was prior to Russell where that defense was the star of the bunch. And then it's, you know, it's Brad Johnson and Trent Dilford. Like, come on. Like, and, and so, like, I just, I, I think that's the hard thing they have to deal with. I do want to say this. I'm going to take my my glasses off for this. (laughs) There is no reason for Andy Reid to fool around with what has been working. Now, I've said this repeatedly. I think it's been unfair that guys like Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney have been blamed for every single thing MVS is in that too. But it don't mean that them two jokers need to return to the field 
right? I know Sky Moore has been has has been activated off IR, and I know that that uh, the mask is practicing again in in Kadarius Tony, but they should not be on the field. Don't mess this up. If they suit them jokers up, like I will, I will, I will really be upset with Tammy's husband. Okay, so I got for me, they shouldn't be anywhere near the field. Okay, nowhere near it. I mean, I, I, I mean, whatever, whatever um, role they've been playing in this run, that's the role they continue. They should continue to play. I just like don't do it. And I'm not even. I, I'm not going to pull off. No, watch, watch Kadarius. Do, no, just keep them over there. That now, damn it, Andy. And Tammy, if you've got to do something here in the next couple of days, don't even get don't get any ideas. None. I don't understand why this is even in question. Like, I really don't get it. The Chiefs offense has taken off ever since they got these two off of the field. Like the, the biggest problem for the Chiefs this year offensively, Ron, I don't know how many times we had to say it. Mistakes. It was the mistakes. It was them shooting themselves in the foot. And suddenly everything started to come together when I was like, oh, okay, yeah, just funnel every play to Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, and Isaiah Pacheco. And when those three aren't getting the ball, you can occasionally give an opportunity to MBS because at least he's going to be in the right spot. He might not catch it, but at least you know he's going to be in the right spot. And occasionally you can target Noah Gray. Again, he's going to be in the right spot. He might get you like a 10 to 12-yard catch. You target him like one or two times a game. And that's it. That's it. You eliminate everybody else from the conversation of getting any kind of targets. And if you're not going to give Kadarius, Tony, or Sky Moore a target, like there's no reason for either of those guys to be on the field. They don't block. They don't go to the right areas. They don't know the offense. They don't line up in the right place. So just don't worry about this. This that is this is not the type of game for either of those two individuals. Go with what's been working for you, which is getting them as I, – I wouldn't have them in Vegas right now. I, I, I don't think no, Kadarius, Tony, there. should be allowed. He should not be allowed. <laughs> they're there. He it's was a, there the other night, opening night, wearing slippers. And, and he and said, it's... I'm a number one wide receiver. <laughs> and that was AI that messed with my voice. It wasn't me complaining about the team. And then no, later went back on he's... it and changed his mind and said, actually, I wasn't saying anything that was derogatory ter- towards the team. He's... I'm really sorry that it he... came off that way. He said he's a number one receiver if he gets the ball. Yep. And also, I believe in his heart, he meant to say, if I can catch it. like, And I can hang on to it. He just forgot to say that. No, I mean, they're like, they need to have their asses to clear that they're going to be in Vegas. All right. But they need to have them with unlimited firehouse subs and just letting them sit over there and eat them. Get the, 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 get the, the spicy meatball, get the hook and ladder. Just let them keep eating firehouse subs, but don't let them near the field or any, any real conversation with players. That's baffling. Totally agree with everything both of you said. Any, any, what you think either one of them plays? No, 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 no. no. Dave Tope did no. say they consider him as like a return option, no. but I think Richie James He's is kind of. I'm about to say, I just want to say, do you feel 100% about your no? Do no. You, you feel that great about I your think, no? I think after after opening night, I, I do. Because a- Andy, that stuff gets back to Andy, and Andy does not like that stuff. So the, the whole, yeah, number one, if I get the ball thing, like – I, I don't think Andy likes that kind of stuff. Sky is a different story, but I think they just know Sky's got no business being in this game. I think you know that. You that that's that's in your heart. R.I.P. to Sky Moore. Miss him. No, you don't. You did it, Chiefs fans. You made it all the way to Super Bowl Fifty Eight as the Kansas City Chiefs look to finish off a back-to-back championship season against the San Francisco Forty ers So you know right here at Arrowhead Pride, we'll be cooking up our own parlay that our good friends at DraftKings will put right on their homepage for all of you, our loyal fans, to follow. This week, we're betting on the Chiefs bringing home another Lombardi, so we're taking the Chiefs' money line. We're also betting on Brock Purdy over 0.5 interceptions. Patrick Mahomes over one and a half passing touchdowns, and you know we gotta bet on a Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown. Love we'll that full bet available for you on Sunday afternoon on the Arrowhead Pride Twitter page, so make sure you stay locked in there. Each week, DraftKings has new offers and great ways to make your Sunday more fun. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Life Sea Partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 over age various by jurisdiction, Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, um, we do this every week when the Chiefs have the ball. Uh, for you, what 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 what's the thing that really jumps out to you in this matchup against the Niners defense when the Chiefs have the ball, BK? Yeah, so I feel like everybody's been talking about the Niners defense and how it was so similar to the Chiefs defense this year. Ron, this is the time of the year. It reminds me a lot, I, I mentioned this last week, I think, of March Madness where – you get into a spot where it's all about the matchups. Like, forget what happened during the regular season. Don't look back, like, during March Madness. Don't look back at Ken Palm. Just talk about the matchups, right? That's how I feel about this time of the year in the NFL now. Everything has become so matchup-driven. These coaches are so unbelievably smart for the most part that you've got to look at, okay, what are they going to try to exploit? And for this 49ers defense during the regular season, they could get away with the way that they played, which is a super stagnant four-man rush. We're going to line up. We're not going to change the picture pre-snap versus post-snap. Man, I'm a, I'm a Mizzou fan. And so I've seen what a Steve Wilkes defense looks like. It didn't work at Mizzou because they didn't have the dudes to be able to play it. And it's worked for the most part with the San Francisco 49ers because they've got talent. But when you go up against somebody like Patrick Mahomes, who knows exactly where you're going to be lining up on every play, dude, good luck. Good luck if you're going to play that kind of stagnant defense over there. The reason why the Ravens gave him some troubles is because it was the opposite of stagnant. They were going to change everything. What you see pre-snap has nothing to do with what they're actually going to do post-snap. The reason why Steve Spagnuolo has so much success, especially against young quarterbacks, you have no idea what's coming your direction. You don't know who's coming from where and if this is the play that they're going to be blitzing. That is not the case with Steve Wilkes. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He's going to line up. He's going to have his dudes hopefully beat your dudes. And if you're going to do that against Mahomes, you're asking for trouble. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think the Chiefs are going to have more success offensively this week than we've seen from them at any point so far this postseason. There's just like there's certain advantages in this game. Um, As you said, matchups and things that they can they can try to exploit. And to me, the things that jump off the page big time from the Niners defense and with the Chiefs is, one, the run game. Um, They have given up a lot of rushing yards here of late. And if you look at it, the two games, they've been down in both these playoff games in which they were a 10-point favorite and a a 7.5-point favorite. They're down, and the Lions just beat the brakes off of them in the run game. Gibbs was getting off, and, I mean, they were running easy, and it was really, like, almost jarring to watch how easily him and Montgomery ran the football. They ran for 182 yards, and it should have been well over 200 if they, they weren't just being the Lions. And then, the I mean, the the Packers, they get they get 136 in their game. And, and they get Aaron, Aaron Jones, and he's getting out on the edges in particular. Like those toss plays were big plays that work for both of those teams. And, uh, and to me – I look at this, that, and then their corners. Their secondary is clearly, to me, the weak spot. And this is another one where it's like the Eagles, man. If you can block them, I think that the the Chiefs are going to have success throwing it. If they can get it blocked up front and this offensive line can play the way they've been playing, I think they're going to be able to have success down the field with their wide receiving core. Uh, their receiving core as a whole with Kelsey. Like, I think Kelsey has to be an impact player in this game. But I think the two weaknesses for them is, one, the run game. And I think Isaiah Pacheco should continue to really get the touches that he has been getting in this uh, in this postseason. And then Rasheed Rice. Like, it, you got to be thinking for two weeks, they're sitting here watching what Kelsey has done and how he ran rough shots over the Ravens, a great defense. You've got to look at – you've got to believe they're sitting there thinking, we are not going to let 87 beat us. But I felt like they were trying to operate that way when the Chiefs played them last year. And the person who killed the, the Niners last year is somebody that I think should be used – Rice should be used in a similar fashion that he was used 
in last year's game, and that is Juju Smith-Schuster, who went for seven catches and 124 yards and a touchdown. He had a 50-plus one uh, that he took to the house. And just think about that and Juju and his running. He was able to run away from Niners to get into the end zone. And so to me, Rasheed Rice and Pacheco are two major pieces in this game because I think those guys can uh, exploit weaknesses that the uh, the Niners have had for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with uh, Rasheed Rice because I, I find that one to be really interesting. They played a ton of, of zone uh, with the 49ers. And if there's one thing we've seen with Rasheed Rice, it's that he can, he can beat zone. He can find the areas to be able to get to. And he's really like, developed in this way in a significant way over the course of the season and if you give him some space he's one of the two best receivers in the NFL this season when it comes to yards after the catch everybody's talking about Debo this week justifiably so the guy's amazing this is little Debo I love Debo Samuel Rasheed Rice is second to Debo this year in yards after the catch so far in the 2023-24 season so he can win that way, and he knows going into this one that they're going to be playing a ton of zone, and he knows that they are going to be focusing so much of their effort on slowing down Travis Kelsey, given what we've seen in the first three weeks of this postseason. So I, I think he's a huge piece of this. And then to the other part of it, Ron, on on um, what they're going to be able to get out of Isaiah Pacheco, dude, teams have been running over this defense left and right so far in the postseason. I mean, you look at what they're trying to do. The Packers did it with Aaron Jones. The Lions did it with David Montgomery. It's just plowing straight ahead and specifically targeting those defensive ends. Chase Young and Nick Bosa want nothing to do with playing against the run. They are so hyper-aggressive about getting after the quarterback, and they're You're right. at it. You're right. I thought it was just Chase. Nick Bosa, he... He's doing it too, and they confused the living daylights out of Nick Bosa last year. Yeah, he's super aggressive. He's not staying home. Like his job is to get to the quarterback, and he does it as well as anybody in the NFL. But he will do so. Like you remember all of the complaints that we used to have about Chris Jones. All of those apply to Nick Bosa in that defense with the 49ers as well. He's worth it because he's excellent at rushing the passer. But dude, they've got some guys on the edge that if you want to exploit it, you can get after them in the running game. No, I, I no, I, I agree with that. I, and and that'll be a big, big key sort of for this game. Yeah, it's BK talked about how Steve Wilkes doesn't really make adjustments. And the reason they play so much zone is because they don't trust their corners to play man. Like Traverius Ward's the only guy that they trust out there. And, you know, Traverius Ward had an all pro caliber season. I think Legarius Sneed should have been all pro over Traverius Ward, but he's had a very nice season. Also, I'm sure it's gotten back to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs that Ward was like, San Francisco's better. It's just better in every way. Like, not really something I think you want you want to throw on the fire ahead of this game when you're the guy that's from Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes is not going to be afraid of targeting you in the Super Bowl. But they're going to have some matchups to win. And that's a thing, too. And you talk about their them giving up so many yards on the ground. They've been a pretty bad tackling team over the second half of the season. Like it's yes. been a consistent issue for their defense. And so, yeah, they've got all this talent up front, but Eric Armstead's not quite the same player that he has been in the past years. He's been really banged up this year. Javon Hargrave, still an effective player, but like he's old and he's been banged up all throughout the season. And Chase Young really hasn't been very good. Like their pass rush win rate has gone down since Chase Young came over in that trade. Like, it's they've got all the tools up front. They've got all the guys who got all the physical gifts, but they haven't been a particularly good defense. It just like executing. And then they're limited on the back end. So those are all things that you should be able to exploit. And when you give Andy Reed and this offensive staff this much time, I think we're going to get the good stuff from Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. Listen, and, and, and I, and I'll, I think so too. Hell, there ain't nothing else to hold back. And he's had two weeks to watch this group. And it's interesting to me because this defense is, uh, I, I would say, there is a good, a, a good amount in terms of a gap in terms of their defense compared to last year's defense that the Chiefs faced. The defense that was under D'Amico Ryan's, I think there's a there's a pretty decent gap. Into oh, okay, what I thought Niners... you were talking about the Eagles. I thought you were talking about the Eagles defense no. that the Chiefs played in the Super Bowl. I was like, I. I feel like they're no, pretty no, similar. No. That's interesting. <laughs> no, no, no. The, from the gap that the Chiefs played with the Niners last year when they put 44 on them, 
to this one. This D'Amico, the D'Amico defense, I think it's a clear difference on, on how good that defense was compared to this one. And they put 44 on them jokers. And I will say this, and I don't mean to scare you two, and I know maybe there is just some, hey, man, let's just – let this let's let's just let's not ask for too much. And I know sort of how you feel, but I mean, I have watched a lot of Niners stuff, and I, and I watched the most recent matchup between the Chiefs and the Niners, which was last year. Man, one thing that steps and jumps out is how much MVS got going down the field in that game. MVS had 111 yards receiving in that game on three catches. And he had one for 40 and one for 57 big plays down the field. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that he's going to do that again. 111 yards, I don't know that he can do that. But we do know he has had three big, big plays in the postseason, down the field plays in the postseason, including the one to really finish off the Ravens. So, there's something there that they found and they saw last year to where they got him open down the field. And they were pretty easy throws where he ran away from Ward on one of them. That That's one to watch. And I don't know if it may not be him, if it's Hardman, whatever. There was there were down-the-field options, which obviously makes everything easier, but there were down-the-field options for this team last year, and they hit several of them. Like I said, there were, there were two to MVS. Juju got him one. They had some down there. That 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 is going to be one to watch to see if any way they can replicate the downfield success. Not to mention, I think I think um, McKinnon had a big chunk play on a screen that it got off uh, on like a third down and 20 or something that he, he set up. So that that's one to watch if they can replicate that part of last year's game. Yeah, I, I think anytime you get to these big games, like you're, you're going to find a surprise player that steps up in a big way. It's typically one of the secondary weapons, right? You go back to 2019, that game against the 49ers last time around. Sammy Watkins had a huge game. He mm-hmm. they, they don't win that Super Bowl without Sammy Watkins going off the way that he did in that one. Uh, in the Super Bowl last year against the Eagles, this was a little bit more easy to foresee, but Jarek McKinnon, 35 yards on the ground on just four carries and then added a few receptions for first downs as well through the air. Like that's that's the kind of thing that you're going to need. So whether that's MVS, if it's Justin Watson, if it's Noah Gray, you're going to need one of the secondary ancillary playmakers to be able to come up with like three big plays in this one. And it can be a combination of all of them, right? Maybe MVS has one 30-yard reception and Blake Bell on a third and 12 gets you a 15-yard play. And then Clyde Edwards-Alaire has a really nice run for you. Like that that might be the way that it goes, but you're going to need just three Watson, plays. Yeah. Sure, you're going to need probably like three plays from surprise places other than Rasheed Rice, Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey to be able to win you this game against the 49ers. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, um, when the Chiefs uh, have the ball, uh, hopefully they can get these big plays. Now let's look over to the Niners. When the Niners have the ball, um, to me, I think it's really clear the biggest advantage, uh, and this is a great offense. Let, let, let's put that to, to bed right now. They, they, like They have weapons all over the place. This is a great offense. But I don't think that I think. I know they haven't because they haven't played the Chiefs yet. They've not seen a group of corners and guys in the secondary that I think give the Chiefs a chance to match up back there. 
to match up with Debo and to match up with Ayuk and to match up with Jennings. I don't think they've seen a group back there that gives them uh, those issues and those problems. So I think that part there is going to help in a major way, their secondary, BK, because that that has been the strength of this team. And they're going to prop I – mean, I think they're going to run the ball too, but they're going to try to get stuff going in the passing game. And the Chiefs secondary – to me, they've got to play like they have all season, but that is a clear advantage, I think, that they have over other teams that have played the Niners. Ron, I'm trying to look for the really great secondary that they've gone up against so far this year. Like, here, let me go through these with you real quick. You tell me yes or no, good secondary or not, just based on your own personal opinion, not even necessarily, like, not diving into the numbers or anything. Lions. No. No. Packers. No. Rams. Can't name a player in the Commanders. The worst secondary nice, in football. I got a Cardinals. Nice Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Seahawks. No, yeah, they got some players, but right. yeah, they weren't, they weren't as good as they should have been this season. Eagles. Awful. Worst. Bucks. Jaguars. Yeah. That's everybody they've played other than the Ravens since week 10 this year. They have gone up against so many bad secondaries in the second half of this season, dude. And even if you go to the front half of the season, Rams, Giants, Cardinals. Now they did go up against the Cowboys. Browns was a good one. Vikings, Bengals. Like they've played terrible defenses for the vast majority of the season. Some of these teams are good against the run. They're all bad for the most part against the pass. And then they went up against the Ravens. They threw for some yards. They end up scoring just 19 points in the game though. Why? Because five turnovers. And that is where I think like Ron, as I'm doing the the matchups in this game, I think the single best unit in this game is the Chiefs defense. I think the next best unit is the 49ers offense. And then from there, it's Chiefs offense, 49ers defense. Anytime that there are two units on the field, Chiefs versus the 49ers, I think the Chiefs have, and this is not me being a homer, Ron, you know how much I hated this team all year long, and I mentioned as much. I think the Chiefs have the better unit on the field at all times because I think they have the better defense than the 49ers offense. So, I think they present some really unique challenges. They are going to change the picture on Brock Purdy. They're going to make it really difficult on him. They're going to get pressure on him with their blitz packages. They're going to have something unique that makes it difficult to be able to run their typical zone options that they want to do with Christian McCaffrey. He scares the hell out of me. Don't get me wrong. I'm scared of Debo Samuel. That dude is amazing. They're going to get theirs. But the Chiefs defense is going to make it much harder than anything they've seen really in the last 10 weeks or so, other than when they played against the Ravens. Yeah, it's I think the most impressive part of the Chiefs defense this season is how well the back end tackles and they haven't and they've been great at it. They've been tremendous at it all season long. And like that's where the 49ers win is when they they break that first tackle. That's when they rip off 50 yard gains and. I just don't think that they've seen a, a secondary like this. I think it's the biggest advantage that the Chiefs have in this game is that everybody who's on the back end for them can come up and make a play around the line of scrimmage and they can go make tackles. And it's why like the 49ers haven't turned it over much in the postseason, but I am betting on the 49ers to lose a fumble in this football game, which is not something they have done a lot of this season, but it's because Trent McDuffie will go in there and try to rip that ball out. Like Mike Edwards, Justin Reed, Chamari Connor, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, LeJerry Seed. All those dudes are going to try to force that football onto the ground. And I think there's a good chance they can do it because like BK said, they just haven't played a secondary that tackles in swarms like this. Like most of the time, those guys are just sent back in coverage. These guys want to go lay hits. And I don't think they've seen anything like it this season. And it's what? not just laying hits, Ron. It's tackling. Like they will wrap up and get you to the ground. If you look at NFL uh, next-gen stats has something called yards after catch over expected. So what are you expected to get? How much are you able to get beyond that? Debo Samuel was number one in the NFL this year. George Kittle was number four in the NFL this season. If you look at the defenses, though, that were the best at preventing that, the Chiefs defense was actually tied with the Atlanta Falcons as the best defense in the league at preventing yards after catch. That is the single biggest battle in this game. How are the Chiefs able to get these receivers to the ground? They've been very good at it so far this year, elite at it this year. It's going to be tested in a big way in this game. Yeah, and, and that's – listen, and to be fair – uh, the Chiefs haven't seen a group of weapons, that many weapons, 
maybe the Dolphins when they were at full strength uh, in, in Germany, but even Waddle got hurt a little bit in that game. So they didn't see him. Each man in that game. Right, it, right. But they, yeah. So they've not seen this many weapons at once. And then in particular, Debo, McCaffrey, and Kittle, these guys that can break tackles, that are the best, some of the best in the game at breaking tackles. So they're going to need to be as strong as they have been and as good as they have been all year because this is the best that they're going to face in terms of – like Debo's a, Debo is a, an issue. Christian's an issue. They run so hard and run. They're able to to be able to get themselves out of tackles and kill as well. So I think well, – Christian McCaffrey is first in the NFL in yards before contact and yards after contact this yeah, season. Exactly. It's insane. There's, there's, there's no there's nobody else in the league like them. There, there's no collection of talent Not that many like, the, like those guys that they're, they're, any offense in the league is putting out there. Because, yeah, even the Dolphins, like, it, it, they've got a collection, but – The Dolphins not, are soft. That's the difference. Yeah, this it's is like, a tough, hard-nosed, we are going to run over you, through you, yeah. around you, whatever it takes type of offense. The Dolphins are very much a like the Dolphins try are to easy. go through around you <laughs> or, or past you or run yeah. past you, and that's that's they can get them down on the ground. So this will like Trent McDuffie, like Trent McDuffie, he's head up with Debo. You got to you got to go, you got to tackle because he's coming. You know, in in a way that's that's not Waddle, you know, coming to you, right? That's not. Um, Zay Flowers coming to you. You got to be physical and, and get and get them down the ground. So I, I think that's the number one thing for this defense is to be able to tackle the way they have all year. And to me, the other thing is, um, like, I, listen, I'll say this: I don't, I don't like the conversation surrounding Brock Purdy. I think he has gotten, I think, unfair treatment in my in my opinion. We're, we're going to look at the guy and say, hey, this guy is not an elite quarterback. He is not a great quarterback, but when the team loses, he's going to be the number one person that we're going to look at it, 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 a team that we all say, Oh boy, he's got there's nine, 10 other guys that are better than him on the team. But if they lose, everybody going to look at him, you know, in a, in, in a way that you don't like, so you, you want both of it. But in watching Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy does not operate as if he's Mr. Irrelevant. Brock Purdy does not operate and I mean this in a way that could be helpful to the Chiefs. He does not operate like a game manager that people look at him. Brock Purdy, he's out there trying to make plays. And he has been successful at times. That play where he made to Juszczyk last week, where he evaded the rush and got away and threw it like a shortstop to the to the sideline. Like he's made some plays where he is he has gotten out of sacks and made big plays down the field. So we've seen him do it, but See, when he gets heated up, and if you watch some of these games, like the Baltimore game, when he gets heated up, like, it's not a guy that's saying, oh, I was the last pick of the draft. I'm just not going to make mistakes. I'm going to throw it away. I think you said it before the show. He's got a little baker in him. He's going to make, he gonna try to make something happen with it. And I think the Chiefs have to, have to pressure him, like the way they've pressured teams all year, to make him make some of these bad decisions. Because he'll make them. Like there was a play against the Niners um, or against the Ravens they had where he got a little pressure and he just completely didn't see Kyle Hamilton standing in the back of the end or in the end zone and threw a pick right to him. And that was his first of four in that game. And a lot of it happened when they pressured and heated him up. So I think it's imperative of Chris Jones, those guys up front, Karloftis, all of those guys, because it's lucky for them. BK, they don't have to rush the quarterback in 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 defense mode the way they've had the last two weeks. We're rush it, but don't really go. Just stand there because we got to keep Josh and Lamar in. Like they get to they get to go. And so I think it's huge for them to put pressure on Brock Purdy for us to start to see the potential reckless Brock. There's some Trevor Lawrence kind of to his game in terms of like he's really good when he doesn't have pressure on him. But when he gets pressure, Ron, the only guys that have a higher rate of turnover-worthy plays, according to Pro Football Focus, with pressure than Brock Purdy are Ritter, Minshew, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Dobbs, and Sam Howell. Those are guys that are known for turnovers. And that's why I just totally reject, to your point, 
this idea that he is some game manager, the better game manager in this game. And it sounds strange because Patrick Mahomes is the best player I've ever seen, but he's better at managing games than Brock Purdy is. Brock Purdy isn't that. Brock Purdy's a guy that's going to put the ball in harm's way. The guy that was a game manager for them was really what they used to have with Jimmy G. He was a game manager. Brock Purdy wants to make plays. He's trying to push the ball down the field. He had the highest yards per attempt in the NFL for a reason this year. He's going to get the ball in his weapons hands, and when it's not there early, he's chucking it. And if he gets some pressure on him, Ron, that is when he starts just randomly throwing the ball into places where it shouldn't be. He's going to give you probably three opportunities in this game to come down with a pick. And it just becomes a question of whether or not you're able to take advantage of it. But those chances are going to be there in this game for the Chiefs defense. It's And I feel like the game manager narrative around Purdy is something that was just made up by people who don't really watch him because he's aggressive. That's the biggest difference between this offense and when Jimmy Garoppolo was under center for it because Jimmy is in this Derek Carr-like level of quarterback where he throws one pick, he's going to shrivel up the rest of the game. He won't take any chances he's gonna keep everything around the line of scrimmage because he's terrified of throwing of turning the football over again Brock Purdy does not care Brock Purdy you mentioned Baker Mayfield he's got a little Kirk Cousins in him too like he'll go out there and throw multiple picks and he'll still keep taking shots down the field and he'll get outside the pocket and try to make plays that way too like Brock, Brock Purdy is not afraid like he is gonna be aggressive and that's been the biggest thing that's put the 49ers over the over the top this week Ron, who's, the guy, who's the guy that scares you the most in this game? Christian. Like as a Chiefs fan, who is the who is the player on the 49ers that scares you the most? It's Christian McCaffrey, and it's in the passing game in a big way for me. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying on the ground either, but Christian is the one that scares me the most, and that is that is him out of the backfield because I think it has been the weakness of the Chiefs' defense is them covering – backs out of the backfield and he now happens to be the best one at it uh that that's 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 why that one concerns me the most that's my answer as well and it's also because of the stuff that we've been talking about like i i think that the chiefs i think debo's gonna have a player two in this game don't get me wrong i'm you you can't stop that guy but you gotta you gotta slow him down a little bit right tyreek still got his in the matchup even in that frozen tundra game against the chiefs he had that big touchdown but I think the guy that just scares me because they're going to give him the ball like 30 times is McCaffrey, <laughs> dude. Like, yeah. sir, you, you listen to Nate Tice on his podcast over on The Athletic, and you, I think he does an excellent job. And one of the things that they talk about a lot is the Shanascope, where Kyle Shanahan's going to put a microscope on somebody in your defense, and he's just going to make his day an absolute nightmare. It's kind of similar to what Peyton Manning used to do. He'd find your corner that he wants to target, and then he targeted him like 15 or 17 times in that game, regardless of who his receiver was that was matched up against him. I'm really interested to see what his microscope goes to in this game. Because I think, Ron, you're right. The answer is probably throwing at the linebackers. But I feel like the Chiefs linebackers have actually been better in coverage this year than what they've been in previous seasons. So I, I don't know for sure what he's going to be looking for in that regard. I mean... Nick Bolton's been a little bit better in coverage, but I don't want Nick Bolton trying to yeah, cover I don't, I don't CMC. Like yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, it, 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 Willie sometimes Willie gets spicy uh, as well. So I, they, like they, they, they've got. I hope there's a plan B. But then the scary part is if you then try to go into what nickel or dime, and you have a less linebacker out there, then they will hand it to them, and they, they're big bodies up front. They'll they'll run the football. Yep. On you, which is something you may you may have to. Well, it'll be interesting to see what Spags gives and 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 doesn't give up. Like the Bills game, it was clear he was like, "All right, man, we're gonna we're gonna give up some of this run, but we're not gonna let y'all make any big plays on us." So it'll be interesting to see what his approach is. But whatever it is, to me, as you talked about it, Brock Purdy when he he tries to gets out of the pocket to make plays, and I think this is where he can potentially get in trouble because sometimes he does make them. But then sometimes his lack of physical talent prevents him from being able to execute all of them and many of them. And that's when he can get himself in trouble where he puts the ball in harm's way. And he had three different games this year with multiple interceptions. It was against Baltimore, great defensive coordinator. Cincinnati, really good defensive coordinator. And Minnesota, 
excellent defensive coordinator. When he's gone up against some of the more creative minds defensively that changed the picture pre and post snap, there have been times where he has really struggled this year. All right, so to grab my music, man, this is the uh, the game that is sweeping uh, the nation. You're certified, right? Let's get you certified. I'm an imposter. It is called certified or imposter. Certified, I make a statement. Is it certified or is it imposter? And this is it. Certa, I'm throwing it to you. This is Chris Jones, the all-pro defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is Chris Jones' last game as a Chief. I'm going to say it's certified. Um, I don't want it to be. I, I want to yeah, make I feel that like very clear. But... <laughs> It's just it, his age, like this is when players tend to decline. And like you, you see what Buffalo did with Von Miller and you know they went out and they gave Von Miller way more money than I thought Von Miller should be commanding on a free agent market at that age. And they got half a good season out of him. And then he tore his ACL. And then this season had all kinds of issues off the field. And then also just is not the same player anymore. Like Von Miller looks like he is probably going to be done. I'd be... I, I, like he may stick around the NFL for another year or two. Like, I don't think Chris Jones is there just yet because we've just seen how dominant he's been this season when he wants to flip the switch, but it, it's just a bad investment at this stage of his career. And he's going to go down as an all time chief, but he's made it pretty clear that he expects like 30, $35 million a year. And I just don't think it's smart to give a player at his age at his position that kind of money because we've seen it fail over and over again across the NFL. It is certified. And I would be shocked if he's back next year. He's going to be 30 years old. This is a team that has shown even with Tyreek Hill, that if you're over the age of 30, they are not giving you a new market setting deal. They'll give you a contract, but it's not going to be a market setting deal. And Chris Jones is now going to reach that threshold of being over the age of 30. I, they have to make a decision. They cannot bring back both Legereus Sneed and Chris Jones. It just doesn't work. The math is not mathing for those two guys to be able to be back next year. I don't even think they're going to be able to franchise tag Chris Jones because it's going to be $33 million on a one-year fully guaranteed, no cap gymnastics, nothing. That is all going towards the cap for 2024. You can't do it. They're going to have to let him walk. They're going to get a third-round comp pick in return. And that's just going to be the way that they have to operate. I hope Chris Jones has an incredible game, Ron, because in my opinion, this is a legacy game for him as much as it is for anybody else. If you go out there and you have a massive game in this game against the 49ers and you go out a two-time Super Bowl, three-time Super Bowl champion with the Kansas City Chiefs, you had some big-time closing sacks over the last two postseasons especially, you'll go down as an all-time defensive lineman. This game will get you into the Hall of Fame if you weren't already in it. So I, I think that is what's at stake for him. I think it's the end of his Chiefs career, and I think he knows it, honestly. I think he knows it. I think the Chiefs know it. He's going to get that million-dollar bonus by going out there and winning this game, and then he's going to go to free agency and earn himself 30 a year. Yeah, I, I want it to be imposter because I do. I listen to Spags, and Spags always brings up what makes it easier when you got Chris Jones. It makes it easier when you got Chris Jones. I was sitting on the field talking to him, and he said that three or four times about Chris Jones, but I feel like it's going to be a thought of, hey, Spags, you're going to have to make this work. And now they're going to have to start preparing for more. I think they have – I feel good about the edge rushers. I hate the ACL that, that Charles Amenehue tore. But if you can get him healthy, Amenehue and and Karloftis isn't a bad start on your edges with versatility. And they've got to – they're going to have to, to, to figure something out. But – you know, I think this team is probably ready and saying to themselves, we'll keep Sneed, we'll keep Bolton, and we will make sure our, off- our offense is much more um, uh, in a place where they can withstand not having its best defensive players. So I- I'm with you. I-, I think it's certified. I want it not to be. I really do. I, I-, I don't want to see him play for another team. That's just going to be really, really – really weird congratulations to the bears on their new defensive tackle chris jones looking forward to seeing him in chicago <laughs> next year that'll be great man texans might try to fool around with him too um all right uh what's the prediction what you what you feeling about this game the super bowl the final prediction of the year bk kick it off yeah i can't believe this is where we've arrived dude i can't 
it was six weeks ago that I was saying, I hope this team doesn't make it to the playoffs. They don't deserve to have the opportunity to play in the postseason because of how frustrated I was watching them play against the Cincinnati Bengals in the first half of that game. I mean, you damn near don't deserve to be on the <laughs> podcast with the, with the ridiculous Six, six Harrison Butker field goals later. Dude, they reeled me in. They reeled me in, and then going into that Dolphins game, I was like, you know what? Why not? Why not us? And then they went into the Bills game, and after watching them in that Dolphins game, I was like, not only why not us, they are the favorite now to get out of the I AFC. love this team now. <laughs> and, and, man, it has been so much fun to be able to watch them just completely change who they are on the fly, learn about who that identity is, and they have become a team that can win with defense. Don't make mistakes offensively. Go out there, play excellent defense, shut down the opposing team offensively. They'll be one of the only teams in the history of the league, if they do this, to go out there in every single game over the course of the season, allow 27 or fewer points. Ron, I just looked this up because of your, your stat earlier today on the 200 or fewer than 300 yards every single game defensively against the pass. The last Super Bowl champion to allow 260 or fewer yards through the air in every single game leading to a Super Bowl championship was the 2006 Indianapolis Colts. And the Chiefs have a chance to be able to accomplish that one as well if they win this game. And I think they're going to. I think this is going to be a game where you see some sustained drives that end in the red zone. I think the Chiefs end up winning this thing in what is a close, semi-ugly with a few big plays game. They win 23 to 19, knocking off the San Francisco 49ers and winning another championship and officially becoming this era's version of the New England Patriots. They will officially be coined as the dynasty after winning their third Super Bowl in a five year stretch. Go ahead, Steve. So I feel like I did a lot more mental gymnastics about the AFC championship game than I have about this game. And and it is still weird to me because I feel like the vibes are so good with the Chiefs right now. But then nationally, everybody is so confident in the 49ers. And they're like, oh, the Chiefs offense sucks. Like San Francisco is just going to blow them out of the water, but not acknowledging the incredible play of the Chiefs defense. And when it comes down to everything, like I think the only way San Francisco can win this game is if the Chiefs defense just is totally overmatched by those skill guys and, and by those guys on offense. And they're creating explosive plays and moving the ball without any issues. And I, it would just be the first time all season that the chiefs have looked like that on defense. Like we've got a large enough sample size that I am totally confident in this defense's ability to go out there and win you a ring. And the offense can do just enough and, and get, and get some points on the board and get out ahead and the Chiefs can do what they have done all playoffs, what they have done for most of the season on the defensive side of the ball. And at the end of the day, too, like Kyle Shanahan's a brilliant coach. I just think Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo are better than what he's got. And I think that's the biggest advantage for the Chiefs, uh, uh, along with their secondary in this game. So I think Mahomes is going to continue to play perfect. I think the Chiefs defense is going to continue to play like uh, a, a defense that can carry you to a ring. And I think the Chiefs are going to win 27 to 21. Yeah, I, I think we're in a close thought here. The Chiefs, uh, I think the most uh, – the biggest advantage they've had through this run has been the coaching staff. Um, and and I think it's not as wide here with Kyle. Um, I, I, do, I, I do think, though, it, 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 this, this defense is worse. Um, and, I, and I do think Andy uh, and the Chiefs' offensive staff can, t can maybe take advantage of some things with Steve Wilkes um and and probably put him in a place to force him to adjust and there's some hard things um with that with the Niners so I, I think the coaching like you said there sort of is a, is a huge advantage and it has been in all the games that they played in this playoff run and I just I, I think that we'll see a mini explosion from the Chiefs offense and, and when I say mini for the Chiefs offense it's a big one for this team in particular but I think you can see a mini explosion here, and I do respect the 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 Forty Niners offense, and I think there there will be some plays there. I'm going to go 28-20. 28-20. They don't quite get to thirty, but I, I think they 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 put up a big a big fight. They may have to get field goals to get to that twenty eight, but twenty eight twenty. Um, I'll go with the Chiefs, as you said. I agree, officially becoming a dynasty, winning. 
their third championship. All Where's right, the strength? Fellas. Out of curiosity, Sir, I love what you said there, that you felt more confident going into this one than you did against the Ravens. If you had to rank your confidence level leading into each of the four games that they've played so far in the postseason, how would you do it one to four? I mean, Dolphins, I was really confident about the Bills. I think it's this is the order for me. Um, no, no. Um, I, think I was the, more confident. I'm more confident about this one than, the, than the I was the Ravens one. Yeah, I'm I, totally absurd on that. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, I think it's the same for me. It's I I I was pretty confident about the Bills game. Even I was really confident. I was there was a little there was a lot of hype around Buffalo, but I felt like people were just ignoring all of the red flags with the Bills ahead of that game. And didn't didn't realize the Chiefs defense. Yeah, uh, especially late in that game when they needed to get stops. All right, Super Bowl Fifty Eight. We'll see what it is next week. We are out. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.